Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR consultant and the founder of Boldside, where I help leaders build epic team cultures. If you're a leader and you want to invest in your team culture, or you're a business owner looking to reset some of the cultural behaviors on your team, DM me on LinkedIn or on Instagram and let's chat about how we can work together. Today on the show, we're answering a whole bunch of listener questions. And I say we because I'm joined by Tia Angelos. Tia is the founder and CEO at Smart Women's Society, one of Australia's fastest growing online education platforms, helping a global community of over 400,000 women get smarter with their money, careers and well-being. She's also author of the book Smart Moves, which covers heaps of great money and careers content. And our books, Sort Your Career Out and Smart Moves, are often on the shelves next to each other as book besties. It's just the coolest thing. So we kept seeing our books together and we thought we've got to do a podcast together. And this podcast is so good. You're going to get so much value out of what Tia has to say. She started Smart Women's Society in 2020 and it's quickly grown to reach hundreds of thousands of women. Her insight into this career space is just so relevant for where we are right now. So can't wait for you to listen. We cover how to get a promotion, what to do if you're in a new job and you don't like it how to move from peer to manager and a whole stack of other stuff. And don't forget, buy the book Smart Moves wherever you get good books from. Let's get into it. Welcome, Tia. It's so good to have you on the show today. Hello. I'm so excited to record this episode. We've been trying to tee this up for a long time. Our books were kind of released at the same time. Your book, Smart Moves, is out in the world, absolutely killing it. How has it been releasing a book? It's been a whirlwind. Like seeing it on shelves in a store is the most surreal feeling. And I love how our books are always on the same shelf together. They're like little book buddies. But yeah, it's been a crazy journey. And it's so amazing to see it in store finally and in people's hands and people reading it. People are reading it. I was, I've got the Kindle version because I read everything on my phone and there is so much gold in your book. Like I just think it covers so much ground, but it it's, goes deep as well into those big issues of life. And I can't wait to get in. We're going to really focus on the careers side today because obviously we're a careers podcast and you, your insight and background into the careers space is awesome. I'm so excited. We've got a bunch of questions that I'm going to hit you with. And I know that you get a lot of career questions on Smart Women's Society. So we're going to dive straight in. Let's do it. Okay, number one. And I just need to say for all our listeners, most people submit their career questions anonymously because they don't want their boss, if their boss listens to this <laughs> podcast, <laughs> they don't want their boss to find out. So just as a heads up, they're anonymous. But if you hear your question answered, message me on LinkedIn and let me know how you found it and what you do with the information we're giving you. Okay, question number one. 
I'd love to get a promotion in the next year in the company I work in. It's a medium-sized business, about 700 staff, and they do a fair bit of internal recruitment. What can I do now to prepare and make myself stand out? Oh, and I think a lot of people are in the same boat. I've I've received so many emails, messages about people wanting to get promotions, get pay rises, especially. And the first thing that I always say is start tracking your accomplishments. Start literally writing down in a Word document, in a spreadsheet, exactly what you're achieving on a week to week at work. And I like to tell people to split it up into three columns. So one column is listing all your results. One column is feedback that you've received from key stakeholders. So it could be your client, could be your team, your boss, and then also a column for any additional tasks or things that you've done that's kind of been outside the scope of your work. So spend a couple of minutes each week, it can be on a Friday afternoon, spend five, 10 minutes updating those columns while they're fresh in your mind from the week. You don't want to be doing it six months, um, having to think six months back about what you've done. And yeah, fill in those columns and use as many numbers and as many quantification of results as possible. And at the end of the day, when you go in for your promotion, take in this spreadsheet, take in this sheet of paper and say, this is everything I've done. And these are my results. And it's a pretty strong sense of evidence to prove your case. That is so helpful because I think we often struggle to talk about the things that we do well. Like, I don't think we're very good at celebrating wins. Is that something that you found? Absolutely. And the thing that I love about an accomplishments tracker is not only is it for your promotion, but it's also for your self-confidence. So every time you're having a bad day at work or you're feeling imposter syndrome, you can go back to this document and go, wow, I've actually achieved some really amazing things. I'm really good at what I do. So I think it's got that double, double effect, which is really amazing. Yeah. And I love everyone is going to get so much practical gold out of this because even you spelling out, you've got three boxes. I'm very down. practical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Make them like get the metrics, get the quantifiable results. So good. From my perspective, I think about, okay, who is responsible for making the decision about the promotion? So think about, I want you to think about the decision maker. If that's your manager, Let's say you're currently you're in the accounts department, you want to move into the business analyst department. How do I get in front of the decision maker? How do I position myself to be noticed and to stand out? And so sometimes we have to think about what does the manager or the person making the decision about the promotion want to see? So we need to put ourselves into their their mind mindset, their view of what matters. And then we need to start demonstrating some of the behaviors that are of interest to them. Often we just think about the role we're in currently and don't kind of forecast who do I need to kind of get in front of and who do I need to build networks internally with. If there's 700 staff, I want you to start developing networks outside of your immediate team. And I think as well, like being vocal and discussing your career desires and your goals with the right people, because you don't want to spring it on them last minute saying, I want a promotion. You should be kind of having those open discussions, demonstrating to them that you can start acting up in that promoted position and really showing them that you're a no brainer for that role. Uh, yes, yes, yes. That idea of how do you do the job before you get the job? What would you, because I know you talk about this in the book, how do we have those conversations 
with our boss or with people in the business about our career goals? What would you recommend for people in terms of how they bring that up? And I think this is a interesting one for a lot of people because a lot of people think that you can only talk to your boss about your career in the performance cycle. And it could be twice a year, it could be once a year, but I'm a big advocate that you should be having regular check-ins with your direct line manager, with your boss, and just checking in with them and saying, here's how I'm going, here's what I've achieved, show them your accomplishments tracker, show them what you're working towards and the goals that you're, the KPIs that you're kind of working towards. And having that open dialogue means that they're in the loop with what you're interested in, what your goals are they're in the loop with what you've been achieving because if you don't tell your boss what you've been achieving they have no idea and that comes back to that whole advocating for yourself piece and really putting yourself and putting yourself out there and taking your career into your hands and yeah having those open discussions so that when you do want to go for a promotion or a pay rise it's not a surprise and it's kind of been something that you've been working on together for a long period of time what are some of the best ways we can advocate for ourselves at work Definitely telling your boss, telling your team about what you've achieved and not being ashamed to do so. I think a lot of people are embarrassed to kind of share the things that they've been doing and the amazing work that they've been doing. I think another way as well is if there's a project that you're interested in, if there's a piece of work that you really want to work on, put yourself out there for it. Make it known that you're interested and you want to do it. And it comes back to that whole piece of taking your career into your hands. You get as much out of your career as you put into it. And I always say, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. So the worst that can happen is you get a no. So if there is something that you're interested in, is there if there is a client or a project that you want to work on, always ask for it. And yeah, you've got to advocate for yourself. If you don't ask for it, the answer is always no. That's such a good reminder. And it's kind of refreshing because I think sometimes we have this naive hope that our manager or our employer knows what we want and that we don't have to put ourselves into the vulnerable place of saying, hey, this is what I think I'm interested in. Is there an opportunity? Like, and there's vulnerability in that because you can get rejected. But if you don't put it out there, you're going to get knocked back anyway, but just because you haven't actually asked the question. I actually remember on my very first day of my grad job in corporate, this would have been over five years ago now, one of the senior partners at the firm I started at, he said, my one career advice for you all, we would fresh grads from uni. He said, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I think like that has stuck with me to this very day in term in terms of asking for what you want. It might feel a little bit uncomfy. It might feel a little bit nerve wracking, but if you don't ask for it, you'll never reach that level of comfort. You'll never reach that, like reach the things that you want to do. So yeah, it's not a bad thing to be uncomfortable. It's a sign of growth totally a sign of growth. That leads me to our next question, because I think this is really relevant for anyone in a period of growth at the moment. Maybe they've just landed a new promotion or kind of a stretch opportunity. I'm going to read it to you. I've just landed a promotion to marketing manager. I was previously a digital marketing specialist. I'm really struggling with imposter syndrome. I feel like I've lost my confidence and I'm continually doubting myself. What's the best way to overcome imposter syndrome? Oh, this is one of the most popular questions that we get popular topics. And I always say imposter syndrome is so normal and every single person in the world experiences it. I've seen, I've read articles about every celebrity in the world, every top athlete, and you have to realize that it's not an unusual feeling to be feeling it. I actually think it is quite healthy to be feeling it because it is a sign that you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone, which is amazing. And I always like to uh, repeat different affirmations and different reminders to myself. And one that really sticks out to me is if you weren't ready for it, you wouldn't have the opportunity. 
And I think that is an amazing reminder to the person that asked this question that if you weren't ready to be marketing manager, you wouldn't have had the opportunity. And I think that is so, so powerful. I love Adam Grant's take on imposter syndrome. I'm not sure if you've read Think Again. Yes, I have. I love his stuff. Oh, isn't he just the best? I'm like, every time I'm running these like team workshops, I have like eight quotes from Adam Grant. I'm like, <laughs> All I need to see up on the screen. <laughs> I'm like, I need to scale back. Like just the fangirling is just out of control. Uh, uh, my goal one day, T, I'm going to confess this to you. I'll be like, my dream would be to get Adam Grant You've on the podcast. You've got to speak into the universe so it happens. Maybe well, he'll listen to the podcast. Yeah, that's my dream. That would be, anyway, well, I'll put it out there. I'll say the affirmations. Someone Adam, might know him, someone <laughs> might be connected and then we can make it happen. Oh, that would just be the best. I love how he talks about imposter syndrome and not seeing it, exactly what you described, not seeing it as a negative thing, but seeing it as a sign that we're learning, that we're putting ourselves into a space where we're able to learn. And I think the reverse of that imposter syndrome is overconfidence. So when we're overconfident, but we actually don't have the competency, that's more of a risk than putting ourselves into a position where we feel really challenged and stretched. And maybe we don't have all the skills. I think that's a sign of humility. It's a sign of, okay, I'm needing to grow now. And if you're for this person who's stepping into the marketing manager role, I'm going to make an assumption that they're now leading a team as well. The best leaders are people who are learners. People who are open to learning. That's right. That's right. So if you feel imposter syndrome, it's a sign that you want to learn. It's a sign that you want to grow. And I think you've got to lean into that and go, okay, well, I might not know all the answers, but I know that I can learn them. Exactly. And I always say, you're never going to feel fully ready. You're never going to feel like I'm ready for that step up to marketing manager now. You actually just need to take that first step be willing to learn, be willing to make mistakes and be vulnerable. And that's the way that you can really move forward. Have you had anyone help you personally with imposter syndrome? I mean, you've got a, a bloody huge following on Instagram, on TikTok. You, your, your work is just blown up. And I imagine there's been moments where you're like, holy crap, what, what is happening here? I think How- that's every day. <laughs> Even when we were talking before, like all these achievements and accomplishments and I I wake up every day and I'm like, I don't know how I'm doing this. I don't know. Like it's <laughs> it's all a bizarre world that this is my reality. But yeah, I, I always repeat to myself, if I wasn't ready for it, I wouldn't have the opportunity. I put in the hard work for this. I know it's not luck. I have worked hard for this. And all those kind of reminders and affirmations, like I recommend for people to practice because once you start telling yourself repeatedly those things, you start, you do start to believe them in your subconscious. So I'm slowly working on it as well. So all these um, reminders that I've been saying is stuff that I say to myself as well. And they have really helped. Yeah. Your self-talk is so important. I think we really, it's funny in the, (laughs) in our book, it was really weird when we were writing it because Glenn and I, uh, Glenn James, who are the co-author of uh, Sort Your Career Out, we both kind of ripped off manifesting and um, this idea of like if you if you manifest something will happen. But what I'm understanding now is not addressing your negative self-talk is really problematic. Like not having – so I love what you're saying. If I, if I wasn't ready, I wouldn't have had this opportunity. Like how – do we start to shift our internal dialogue and our internal narrative? Because I, I do believe in the law of attraction that you attract, you know, what you put, put out there. So I think there is absolutely truth in that. 
but sometimes we have to get over ourselves and and some of our belief systems around certain ideas like and for me that's been a thing of going you know what my negative rumination my overanalyzing behavior that's not helping or serving me and I actually remember a quote that I heard probably over 10 years ago. I think it was from Richard Branson. And he said, say yes and figure it out later. And that's kind of been my mantra for a lot of things. I remember when the book deal came through, I said yes. And I was like, how the hell am I going to write this book? And I said, I'll figure it out. And I think that's been my approach to a lot of things in life that say yes to it and you'll force yourself to find a way and to step up. I think that if you hold yourself constantly in your comfort zone and in that fear zone that, yeah, you'll never grow and you'll never realize how much you are capable of. There are so many. I hope people are writing down what you're saying, like say yes, figure it out later. There's so much gold already in this episode that I'm like, oh, you could cut that up into about a bazillion sound bites (laughs) and people just need to like re-listen. If you want to grow in your career, I just wanted to remind you about our book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Glenn James and I have written this book to help you with any kind of career crisis, but also those things that you want, like getting a promotion, making more money, moving into a leadership role, or if it's time to quit your job. You can find our book wherever you get good books from, or you can listen on the audio book, Sort Your Career Out and Make More Money. Now let's get back to the show. 
understand what makes you happy and fulfilled at work. What what do you enjoy? What specific activities do you really enjoy? And also on the flip side, what don't you like? What about your job don't you like? What specific things, like what tasks don't you enjoy? Do you not like working with data? Do you not like sales and selling kind of stuff and really yeah really get clear on what you do and don't like and as well as that review your interests and your values so think about what are you interested in and something that we made a video on last year that was really popular was go to your local bookstore and have a look through all the books and see what you naturally gravitate towards and these are kind of areas that you potentially pursue if you find yourself navigating to that psychology section of the bookstore is there some kind of pathway that you can go into that way because you're obviously interested in the field and in the topic. So um, do that activity. I think that's a really great way to kind of figure out what you're interested in. But yeah, step number one is completing that self-review. And then as well as that, focus on your transferable skills. And I think that's the best way that you're going to go into a completely new industry, understanding those transferable skills you have. It could be anything from customer service, budgeting, communication, stakeholder management. These skills are what are going to help you pivot to something new, even when you don't have the prerequisite perfect list of things that that job might need. Oh, everything about that. Everything. So good. As you're talking and explaining that, gosh, I love that bookstore idea. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, I need it's to so go do that. It's so much fun as well. It's a great like activity to see what you naturally, like what shelves and what sections of the store that you gravitate towards and you realize, oh, actually I'm really interested in this topic and maybe a career in that area is perfect for me. Oh, I want to go do that. I want to find, I want to go do that this weekend. <laughs> go sign some copies of your book while you're there. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things I'm just thinking about as you're describing this process of self-reflection and, and listing out, okay, what do I, what do I love? What do I enjoy? What don't I like? And I think you're so bang on about getting specific. We need to get, we need to drill down. So like often people say sales, but what part of sales? Is it the building rapport initially with strangers that you don't like, or is it the call to action that you don't like and why? So getting really detailed into what isn't working, I think is really important. The other thing I'd encourage you to do when you're thinking about a career change is look back over when have I been in a state of flow you know when you're in those flow zones tear and you're like yeah time just isn't a thing yeah and like for me it takes quite a bit of self self-reflection to do that so I want you to have a think about when have I lost track of time when have I been in a state of flow and found that instead of depleting my energy, I actually gain energy from the work that I'm doing. That is a sign of your kind of sweet spot. And so finding and and articulating what that is. And the other thing, I love what you said about transferable skills. And I think right now from, I've been talking to a stack of recruiters lately and a stack of employers who I work with that one of their big things they're finding is that employees or potential candidates are coming from all different industries and careers and they're having to embrace career changes. So employers are starting to see, which is so good, employers are starting to realise now, I can't have this huge long criteria, uh, you have to have done five years in this industry. Like that's just, that's just not going to be a thing in the future because so many people are having career changes. That is an old mindset from you know, sorry to the Gen X's and and the boomers, but that's come through 
from previous mindsets of you work in the one industry or one career for 20 years, that just that's just not going to fly in the future. So I say that to tell you, if you're struggling, if you're looking at a job ad and you're like, I would love to do that, but it says three years experience or it says five years experience, go for it because employers aren't finding as many candidates that meet all their criteria because so many of us are having career changes. And I think as well, your past experience and the past industry that you've worked in, you bring a fresh perspective to a new role as well. And I know I know so many people have had career changes and massive career changes, but the new perspective that they can bring into their new role is really amazing and really shakes up how people traditionally thought about that role and the work that they do. Yeah. And, and so you need to sell that, right? Like, how do you sell that? Ah, oh, this is just so good. Just, I'm feeling like we're in the flow zone. <laughs> we're on a roll. Okay. Exactly. And, and I have <laughs> lost you answering the questions. <laughs> but okay. I think some more practical tips for this um, person who asked the question is once you've kind of like, I would then go and have a look at what's in the market, what kind of roles are available go onto companies' websites, look on their career pages if there's a company you'd love to work for. And something that I also tell people to do is do some stalking on LinkedIn. Have a look at people's LinkedIn profiles and look at their career pathway. How did they get to where they're going? What kind of steps did they go through to get to that role? And get inspired by that if that helps you as well. And then figure out, do you need to do any more upskilling? Do you need to do any more education? Do you need to start attending industry events or networking? Like start actually putting together a plan of how you're going to kind of put this career change into action. And as well as that, I know Glenn would love this. Don't forget your finances. Are you going to change into an industry where you need to take a huge pay cut? If so, make sure you're building up your emergency fund and start living on that lower salary to see how you can start adjusting. And then if you're going to get a big pay increase on the flip side of that, start figuring out how you're not going to absorb that into lifestyle creep as well. Oh, the lifestyle creep is real. (laughs) I feel that on a deep level at the moment. Okay. Next question. This is one someone sent me through from Instagram and it's quite long, but I'm going to read it because I think the context matters. I just recently changed jobs. It's my second month in my new job and I just found out my manager is leaving. One of the reasons I took the job is because of the manager. He's amazing and I'm learning so much from him. I'm concerned that it's going to be really hard without him here. Any advice on what I should do? Should I look for another job or stay and try to see what happens with the new leader they hire? Oh, That's a tricky one. I would personally say to stay until the new leadership comes in. I think at the moment, the person who's asked this question is just hypothesizing about what's going to happen and how things will be when this manager leaves. But I think the truth of the matter is that they're just scared of change and the unknown. They're not you don't know what's going to happen. The new replacement could be equally as amazing and great to learn from. And you won't know that until the transition has occurred. So I don't think I'll jump the gun too quickly. And if you're enjoying the job, it would be a risk to leave too soon. And I also think on the same stroke as that, if you do stay, it is an opportunity for you to be proactive in building those new relationships with new management. It's a great opportunity for you to take control of your own development and really shape that as you want it. So yeah, I would say hold tight, see how the replacement and the new management goes. And then, yeah, if you're really not enjoying it and it really doesn't align with your career progression, then start looking for something else. 100% agree on everything you've just said. Love it. (laughs) Okay. Next question. This one came through on LinkedIn and this is another good context one. So I'm going to, it's, it's a little bit longer, but I'm going to read it. I've recently been approached by management for a promotion into the role of manager. 
I'm confident in my ability to step up, learn and apply myself and I have great support from upper management. But this is what I'm struggling with. My current work colleagues, we all get along well. They don't know that I might be managing them shortly and each of them individually would like the opportunity I've been given. I'm worried about potential envy and poor attitude, wondering on how I can best approach gaining their respect and confidence. Well, firstly, massive congratulations to the person who submitted this question. That's amazing that you've had that big promotion. And I remember when I worked corporate before starting SWS, this situation would happen all the time, especially if you work for a big company, there's a young workforce. And I would always see a group of friends, one would get promoted to then managing the others. And to be completely honest, it was always quite fine. I never really noticed any issues. Everyone still did their work at work and hung out as friends outside of work. So hopefully that gives you a little bit of calmness, but in terms of answering your question, I'm a big believer on focusing on what you can control and letting go of what you can't. So what you can control and what you can do is one, staying confident. You obviously earn this promotion for a reason. And then from that, I would start really focusing on the environment that you're creating. Are you creating an inclusive environment where everyone feels listened to, you're leading by example, you're really focusing on teamwork and collaboration where everyone kind of feels involved and it's a really safe space. And as well as that, communicating really open and honestly with your friends or your colleagues that now that yes, you are their manager, but it doesn't mean that you're now going to start being a dictator towards them. And I think, yeah, creating that really inclusive environment will help make that transition a lot easier. And then on the flip side, the things you can't control is your colleagues' attitudes and their reactions. And sometimes people might react badly out of jealousy or out of spite. Yeah. At the end of the day, you can't control that. What you can control is creating that good working environment and good team environment. I love that you mentioned the team environment, like you can create and influence the team environment. You can't change their behaviour necessarily, but you can certainly influence, okay, well, how might they perceive this change? And that is your first leadership assignment. Like if you're stepping into, if you've never managed a team before, it can be daunting and you really have to switch gears and go, okay, stepping into a leadership role, my first leadership assignment is to create the kind of culture people want to be a part of. The thing is that you don't need to get an external consultant to come in and do this, although you, you can if you want. But here's some questions I would uh, I would get you to ask. So your first meeting as a team, here's what I do. Get your whole team together and ask the following questions. What's working well in our team that we don't want to change? So what are the things we never want to change? What do we need to change and improve? So get the team to shape this out. Then I want you to ask the third question, which is, what do we want to be known for as a team? That then becomes almost your kind of core values as a team, or it might be your non-negotiable behaviors. Your business already has values. By doing that, you get a sense of what matters to them. You get their buy-in. They get excited because they're like, cool, this is not going to be the dictatorship. This is not going to be the big bad boss coming in, the new boss with a big head. This is going to be someone who's coming in and they're collaborative. They're interested in what I want from this team dynamic. And so number one recommendation for you, get your team together, take two hours. You could do this in person or you could do it remotely and maybe shorten it to 90 minutes if it's remote, (laughs) but ask them, be collaborative and don't feel like you need to come in guns blazing. Cause I think that's when people shoot themselves in the foot. Like they come in and they, 
try to be overly confident and then people read that really quick and they go, oh no, this is not this is not ideal. And I think especially in the situation where you were previously colleagues all on that same level and then if one person has stepped up, they've had a total personality change and now start trying to boss everyone around, I think that's where the issues start. Yeah, and you can, I think, <laughs> I've seen that happen so many times and it's like, just be authentically you and you can acknowledge, hey, the dynamic might shift a bit, but I want us collectively to create the kind of team we all want to be part of. Where everyone feels like heard and where they can share their thoughts and opinions. And I think that is a sign of a good leader and a good person that can lead a team. I think, yeah, being that collaborative, open approach, allowing everyone's input is what you need to do. Totally. And then the only other final thing I would say to this person would be define the expectations as a team. So you could set out, what are our expectations? What are the things that we're all going to agree to? So one of those things that I say for any new leaders they should do is tell their team, hey, here's what you can expect of me. You can expect me to give you honest feedback and I expect you to share honest feedback back to me. So starting off with some of those really clear expectations, it might be, hey, I want us to be really clear about communicating deadlines for deliverables. Whatever that is, whatever it is that matters to you, communicate them up front because it makes it a lot easier if you've gone from peer to manager and you have to address performance issues. If you've set that expectation up front that you'll do that, it becomes a lot easier to do it and it doesn't feel like so much of a gear change when you have to have those discussions. Love it. Absolutely. I want to hit you with one final question and we're going to get you back on because I just feel like you and I, these Q&As, we could just go all day with this. We could solve everyone's life problems. (laughs) (laughs) That is what Tia Angelos is solving everyone's life problems every day. So everyone get on to her Instagram is so good. I'm like just learning so much from you. Okay. Final question. What, actually, can I do two? (laughs) All right, hit me. Okay. What is your best career advice you've ever received? Oh, and this, I actually started the career section of our book with this advice and it's shoot your shot. I am a massive advocate that, as I said before, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. If you don't put yourself out there, you're never going to grow. And the best things have always happened to me when I didn't feel 100% ready and I say that to anyone listening that you need to shoot your shot. The worst that can happen is that they say no. And honestly, that's a blessing in disguise because it's obviously not the path you should have gone down. So yeah, shoot your shot, put yourself out there and really take charge of your own career and what you want out of it. Amazing. Last question. What is a failure that you've learned from? Oh, I think I fail every day. As I, I, my advice before was always ask, the answer might be no. I think I've received probably over 50 no's in the last fortnight. Um, so I think for me, it's about learning how to just pick yourself up from any failure, pick yourself up from any rejection or no and keep going. Um, and I think that is easier said than done, but learning to build that resilience in your career because every day is not going to be perfect. Everything you're going to ask for, hope for, isn't going to happen, but learning to build that career resilience and that desire to just keep pushing forward and keep trying and try a different way and try a different method. I think, yeah, that's how, that's what I've learned from my failures. Oh, Tia. You are amazing and this conversation has just been like good for my soul. <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much and everyone needs to jump on and buy Smart Moves. You cover so much ground from money, careers, relationships. Get on, buy it, 
buy the ebook, buy the hard copy. That is a bundle with my millennial career. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. If you're in the airport right now and you see the book besties next to each other, you buy them Grab both. Your- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to get you back on the show because this, this conversation I'm sad is ending, <laughs> but thank you. And I just want to say to everyone listening, I just have loved hearing some of your career stories. I've had a fair few sent through this week about people who've landed a career change, people who've got a pay rise. I bloody love those stories because it makes it worthwhile doing this thing. So if that's you, thank you. And give the show a five-star rating and review. You know, we love that. All right, see ya. Bye. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Money Professional, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Money and My Millennial Daily. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 